0: Hello and welcome to the Citizen Femme podcast, the show where we learn about the journeys of 12 inspiring women. We have had some brilliant women on this series. We have now the incredibly wonderful Margot Henderson, along with her partner known as the godparents of British cooking. Welcome Margot, I am so so excited to have you join us. Please introduce yourself to our listeners. So well
1: thanks so much for having me on your podcast. Um, I am Margot Henderson, a chef, and I have a restaurant in Shoreditch with my partner Melanie. We run Rochelle Canteen. We've been here about 18 years. Amazing.
0: So I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning, Margot, when you grew up um, in Belmont in New Zealand. I want to hear all, I mean, I want to go right back to the beginning. Your mother was a journalist and a food writer. Um, I want to hear about where you grew up and. Did that influence you and in what you do now?
1: Well, yes, everything influenced one every day, I feel. Um, I've const- constantly being influenced. But yes, I grew up in um, Belmont, which was the suburbs of Wellington on the hills. We had rode horses and ran around it was quite wild and barefoot. But um, my mother wrote two books called Eating Houses. One was in Wellington and one was in Christchurch and would take us to restaurants when we were very young. And I think I got a bit of an addiction to it from about the age of 10. Um, but I think it was also greed because my mother was such a health nut um, and we had no white sugar or sort of pretty frilly things with our food. And um, I sort of always had a desire for them. So it was our necessity. I started cooking for my brother's um, birthday parties. I'd say, mum, we need white sugar making meringues or all those sorts of things and um and she encouraged me and it was you know it was a passion from a young age but you know it was my my mother pushing me
0: forward as well so that of course that your mother being a health nut that very much impacted your approach to cooking
1: yeah I think that's always in the background she would make beautiful loaves of brown bread actually she used to sell them to the neighbors and we'd get boxes of organic vegetables in and it was if we went to the movies she'd give us a bag of sunflower seeds and raisins and uh, we, it was all crusties and sprouts and all that sort of thing we had molasses our, our juice was cider vinegar and honey so yeah I, I was actually quite proud of it um, my brothers less so they wanted sliced white bread but um, you know I, I would take crusties to school and then um, which was a sort of crisp brown bread Um, which he'd sort of slowly cooked in the oven, so they got really nice and crisp. And then I'd swap it for chocolate biscuits or something like that. But, you know, it was – I still feel that sort of um, love of earthy good food, which – and remember those things. I mean, I love brown rice, and I have cooked in vegetarian restaurants, macrobiotic restaurants in Australia. So, yeah, it's always – it has been there, and I feel – it's better to be you know to nourish and eat well as well as delicious and glamorous food
0: absolutely and how lovely to have to know all of the healthy stuff from younger uh, from a younger age and to to discover that and appreciate it best of both it is no i did feed my own children a lot
1: of white flour which i feel guilty about every most days of my life but <laughs> there you go you know pasta it's quite hard not to enjoy the pleasures of
0: white pastor, isn't it oh gosh yes absolutely um so what drew you to london you moved to the uk after dropping out of university what was london's draw well we
1: were at the bottom of the world um you know the face magazine would arrive once a month and um you know london was just full of opportunity and we were very you know we, were, we just looked to london so we came everyone it was easier to leave New Zealand really than to stay there. I always admire my friends who stayed there and built great lives for themselves. But it was such an easy adventure to go on. And um, you know, I came to see Big Ben, bricks. I'd never seen so many bricks in my life. It was um it was and I loved London straight away. I mean it was incredibly exciting discovering the French house. Soho, all those great things, museums, films. I mean, it was just incredible. My first day I went to the King's Road and, you know, never, i never, you know, it was, it was just mind boggling. I loved it all. What was your first job in London? Moved to Wimbledon, Wimbledon uh, village. And um, at one state I worked, at, her first job was at Pizza Express and... Uh, which was fantastic. I thought the whole of Wimbledon was going to get a New Zealand accent. They took the piss out of me so much. <laughs> and I started saying, okay, yeah. And my mother, and I talked to my mother on the phone. She would nearly died. Po- where's my daughter gone? <laughs> you know, I was trying to be all posh. Um, but we, um, yeah, it was great. I. I made pizzas at Pizza Express for quite a long time. I really enjoyed it. I met lot I mean that's a great thing about a restaurant. I didn't know many people and you know straight away you have a family, you've got friends, you socialise, you know restaurants you socialise and you're all together. Um, and to be in a place like Wimbledon was also lovely because you know there's a lovely pub scene, the Heath. But I do remember on my 21st birthday paying rounders in the rain on the Heath thinking, come on Margot, you need to go into central London, you need to discover the rest of it. And um, I mean, I had been in, but then I moved into, uh, into central London, i would got a flat under the post office tower, and I got a job working for Justin DeBlanc, who was an amazing caterer at the National Gallery. And I really thought, you know, I'm making it now, it's really happening. <laughs> I was just so excited to be working in the National Gallery around all that art. It was very exciting,
0: yeah, and what a great part of London to be in and absorb I mean you've got the the locals the the offices, the tourists, everything in that area yeah
1: it was it was it was wonderful and you know walked I walked to work down Charing Cross, you know I'd write letters home about brick and the seasons, Because you know new Zealand the seasons aren't quite so dramatic when they change. Here you know when it's spring, don't you? I mean in New Zealand it's smoother. But um you know, it was just it was culture shock. And you know, we got used to have Time Out, which was what a wonderful magazine that we we because we didn't have phones, you got time out and there was five thousand million things to do. Not that you did hardly any of them, but the opportunity was so much there of all that could be done and seen. It was very exciting.
0: I am still excited by London, but it's just not quite the same. Different kind of excitement, but you can't get bored of London. It's just it's a wonderful place. It is. It's
1: it's a great, exciting place, changing all the time. Um, you know, but um, I love London. It's great. Yeah, it's my home.
0: So you you worked with your now husband Fergus Henderson at the French House in Soho you mentioned that uh, discovering that when you first moved to London in the 90s tell us about that experience and experience and what were some of your favorite dishes to cook together or even for one another
1: well we met when i was working at the eagle which was the first gastro pub really and it was no one had sort of seen a pub like that um, where you got great food and a very relaxed atmosphere. Um, And it was packed every day. I mean, it was so busy. It was amazing. And then um, one, bought one day this great guy, Fergus Henderson, who I heard was a great chef. And I suggested we open a business together. And he said, I don't know why we haven't thought of it before. (laughs) And then the next minute, we were um, opening the French House dining room. It was a It wasn't the pub. It was just a dining room upstairs. And um, Leslie and her husband, Noel, at the time, well, he's passed now, but they, um, they rented out the space to us. And it was really exciting. There we were, falling in love and opening this wonderful little restaurant. I love that space so much. It's sort of the perfect romantic restaurant with drama and history. And, you know, it's so Soho. And um, we started cooking all sorts of exciting things together. I mean, I always remember the quails coming in, and I was used to boning them all out and stuffing them because I'd been working in slightly more, fan- I don't know, fancy restaurants. And Fergus said, no, we're going to leave them whole. And I thought, of course we're going to leave them whole. So we I started learning a different way of cooking where we cooked the animal more on the bone, slower cooking, gentler cooking. Poaching meats. Um, It's sort of more the food that might come from the countryside in Europe or here, and the food that women might cook at home. But it has been often taken into restaurants, but um, it wasn't sort of the, it was definitely not the boned out fillet of chicken. It was, we cooked a whole poached chicken, and then we'd do poached chicken in green sauce or salsa verde. And those sorts of things were just not being thought about then. They were, it was definitely a change. And um, it was very exciting. And it was the way I'd always wanted to go. I had that in me, but I, hadn't sort of, sort of, I just didn't realise it really. Anyway, Fergus definitely brought that to fruition. Um, and we had a great time there. We pork belly and lentils, um, we had eels. We actually got live eels in once. Never again. Um, that was quite dramatic. <laughs> you don't want to cook live. I mean, you don't want to be dealing with live eels. They have a will to live. Um, but we can't eat eels anymore anyway, because they're nearly. They're going. But um, we had such fun. It was very. It was an exciting time. And then Fergus went off to do St John, and I stayed at um, Rochelle. Um, Melanie Arnold, John Spiteri's wife, who was my partner, became my partner, and we both had lots of, three children each, and we happily worked away at the franchise, it sort of all worked, because we lived in Soho, well we lived in Covent Garden, and our children went to Soho Parish Primary School, and you know, it all worked out, there was lots of flexibility, great head chefs who brought so much to our business, and um, it was exciting times, it was
0: great. Gosh, that sounds like it must have been just it's so wonderful to be living right in the city, what you'd wanted to do, cooking in, the, you know, in a great restaurant in the middle of Soho. How was it working in the same field as your partner? I actually read that along with Fergus, you are known as the godparents of modern British cooking. I love that. I think that's such a, a wonderful way of describing both of you. How is it working in the same field as your partner and has he influenced your cooking? He's influenced
1: my cooking massively and I him in a smaller way, probably. But Fergus, Fergus trained as an architect, and he, I mean, he'd grown up in Europe um, and um, with parents who were passionately um, about restaurants and took him to restaurants all over Europe. So he had a bit of a head start on me because I grew up in the suburbs of New Zealand, as he said. But he, um, you know, he, he, he brought nose to tail eating to us and all these things that just so made sense instead of the way that, as I said before, the, the chicken breast sort of went out the window. It's, I mean, to buy just chicken breasts and put that on the grill, is a bit sad, whereas we were trying to cook all the bits of the animal that maybe sort of, bit more wasty, we were cooking a lot of offal. I mean, I had cooked offal all, all my chefing life. they would always cooked calves, liver and brains and sweetbreads and things. They seem to have gone out a bit out of fashion at the moment, very strangely because they're all so delicious. But we don't want to be wasting parts of the animal. We want to respect our, the animals and um, it all make, that sort of makes such sense that they sort of tell us what to cook and what to put on our menus. And even back then, the season sort of thing, seasonal cooking hadn't quite happened in such a massive way as it is today. So, you know, we'd start, the season started to tell us what to put on the menu. And we changed the menu every day. Um, I know De- Fergus taught me deviled kidneys on toast, which I cook for his birthday every year. Um, and it's one of our family's favourite dishes, is um, deviled kidneys So you have a few spices, Worcester sauce, and it all soaks up into the bread. Um, Great for breakfast or lunch, perfect-ish. What a lovely birthday treat that is. (laughs) With a black velvet, Guinness and champagne. That's his perfect breakfast. (laughs) What's your
0: perfect breakfast?
1: My perfect breakfast (laughs) actually is um, poached eggs with roast tomatoes on toast. A bit boring, but that's what I like. I also love yoghurt and honey.
0: So another key partner in your life is Melanie, Melanie Arnold, who you mentioned before. And you set up Arnold and Henderson, the catering company, together. How did that come about?
1: Well, that came about as we, there we were. I you know, had a small, small child. Fergus and John were going off to open a big restaurant, St. John. And um, I, definitely, I couldn't do it on my own. I needed a partner. And there was Melanie. And she has been just incredible. We hardly knew each other. Um, I actually met her on her wedding day, Um, so she was sort of, I was shoved upon her really, but um, we have been, you know, we've been partners for, what is it, 20, 20, how old is Hector, 26 years, Um, and it's been an incredible partnership. Um, We sort of work really well together. We listen to each other. We love each other. (laughs) Um, uh, We've had a catering company together. We, which we're no longer doing, but we have had a brilliant catering company. We've opened the ICA together. We've had, so we've had lots of different projects. Um, our children, three each, have all grown up now. But you know that was for us. It was important to be working um, as well as you know picking them up from school, and um, so we, we we wanted to be participating in both. I think I'd go mad if I didn't work as well as being. Mother, because frankly, mothering can be really boring. Um, So, you know, I needed, we needed to do both. It gives you, it it makes you enjoy both things as much. I couldn't have, I needed to, I wanted children just as much as I wanted to work. So, um, that's where I've gone off, but Mel and I, yeah, it's it's been exciting, great partnership.
0: And you were going through that journey together with three children and working and building a business and and balancing life. So I guess that's another bond to help you grow and have that friendship.
1: Exactly. I remember Mel when I had, um, (laughs) I just had Hector, and I was feeding him away every time he cried, and she said, I think he might have had enough to eat. And I went, oh yes, of course, of course. I just didn't, you know, I had no idea what was going on. And, you know, Mal, she always has lovely, I mean, I'll never forget that, wise, calm advice for everything.
0: She is a wonder, a wonder. That sounds wonderful. Sounds like you have a wonderful relationship. At Rochelle Canteen, you um, you're known for the staff breakfast and the end of service meals. Why is that sense of communal gathering so important to you? Well, I think bringing friends
1: together is a great way of cementing friendships. And, um, you know, once you've invited somebody to your home, it it does help a relationship on. um, And it's always, and building friendships has always been important to us, making friends, you know, hopefully keeping friends, (laughs) Um, friendship. It's you know it's a wonderful part of one's life, isn't it? And in the restaurant, it's because you want it's, you're looking for those bonds with everyone. We you know you don't want to just come to work and do the job, and so you're, we're constantly trying to bring everyone together. Um, I wish I could ban their phones actually while we're all eating. <laughs> But that might be a bit much. It is their break, um, but uh, but we want people. I just want people to eat well, and it's one of the great perks of a restaurant. There's not many. It's hard, hard work. Um, at least we can feed them well, and um, and generally everyone we work with really enjoys food, and it's nice to try some of the wines occasionally, and bring a sort of another sort of moment to the to a working day so it is really important
0: yeah you're creating a family and if everyone feels like they're part of the family they're happy in the service that they deliver as well so the diners also feel family i imagine
1: yeah sometimes i think we need to remember when we're all eating that there are diners there as well you <laughs> know they they do they do but um and everyone's got, you know, our staff have got great appetites and we've got all this lovely food. So it's, I mean, it would be weird if we, didn't, if we didn't, they didn't try it and eat it. Yeah. Most restaurants do
0: have good meals for the staff, of course. So, with all of this wonderful, wonderful accomplishments and, and growth and, and f- food that you're working with, you were recently awarded an OBE for your services to the culinary arts. Huge congratulations for that. How did that feel? Well, it felt pretty wild. Actually, it
1: was—I um, couldn't believe it. Um, I thought it was a con, <laughs> and then a friend said, "Oh, yeah, Margot, the great OBE con." <laughs> um, I still quite can't quite believe it, but um, we're picking them up on um, in February. So then I'll believe it when I get my medal. <laughs> um, yeah, it was—it um, sort of felt like it had a warm glow. <laughs> it's very sweet. It's a lovely, it's a lovely thing to get a medal. I did think of my headmistress, Sister Julian. I wish she was alive, because <laughs> she wouldn't have believed it. I was quite a naughty kid at school. But, um, no, I loved school as well. I thought school was great fun. And um, I was into petitions and changing things and getting bobby socks, because we weren't allowed bobby socks. And, uh, you know, um, and I think sometimes Sister Julian got a bit annoyed with me. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, so it's it's incredible. It's a lovely thing, and um, thanks very much, whoever put us forward for it. I mean, it's amazing.
0: Thank you. Who would have thought chefs got OBEs? Talking about changing things, you said you you know petitions and and perhaps standing up or rebelling, perhaps. The number of women in your field to receive that honor presumably is not so high. So, you know, as a female chef, it's a huge accomplishment, which it it shouldn't be, you know, such a foreign concept for a female chef. Um, But do you think the food restaurant industry still represents a boys club culture of sorts?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. I mean, I just think. I think it comes down to listening. I just don't think women are listened to quite the same as men and um, and then we get sort of a bit bossy or we just want to get things done, but it, it comes across in weird ways. But um, yeah, I think men generally feel that men will do the job better and that's a bit of a sad story. But you know, I was being called up by so many male chefs always saying, you know, um, how can we get more females in the kitchen? And it, it's not anyone's fault. And I really don't know what the answer is to get more women into kitchens and get them more respected but um i mean there's you can't women are well represented in, in food writing, and um, also kitchens are very difficult when you're having children, so there's all sorts of things that are there and not there um, but you know um Yeah, it's a bit of a boys' club, but
0: it's not so bad. It's changing and it is getting better. That's positive. I mean, there are a whole roster of chefs that have been influenced by you and Fergus. Are there any chefs that are currently exciting you? Well, I've just been to Bruton.
1: Oh, I should have written this down. And this guy Merlin is cooking at the old pharmacy. And then he's got a little restaurant next door on Bruton High Street. And he's cooking incredible food. It was so delicious. Um, He's a great chef. Um, I should have had a quick look at that one. (laughs) Um, Tim Satterton in Trullo is one of the, he's really doing beautiful Italian food. Um, I love Bao and all that they do. I just think they're the most dynamic team in the world. Um, James Ferguson in Scotland. He's in um, Fife. And um, he, he's running a pub that is is the pub that everyone wants to go to. You know, you can just roll up to the bar, have a pint, or the most amazing bar snacks and things. Um, he's right by the coast, so and he really knows how to cook fish. He's um, doing a brilliant, brilliant job. Of course, Alex, he's my head chef. <laughs> he's doing Alex Keys. He's doing a great job. I mean, there's all oh the woman in. Um, at a restaurant called Inver in Loch Fine. She's, um, she's been there for quite a while now, but she's got really exciting, inventive food, which is very modern British. Great stuff.
0: A whole roster of exciting, I guess the UK, well, anywhere really, it's an exciting time for chefs to be experimenting and trying and, you know, pop ups in that whole culture as well and trying new things. Yeah, I feel completely backward. But there you go. <laughs> I'm the sort of old school now, but that's all right. Not at all. We love old school. <laughs> do you, do. You, what are your favorite places to dine in, in London? Uh, well, I love um, the River Cafe
1: for <laughs> birthday special occasions. It just always feels so special, um, as I said. You know quick, easy bow, I love brat round the corner from us that's um he's he's a great chef and got you know really they're doing a great job. St John is always in my heart so I love saint john some to, oh um uh there's just so many great restaurants and places that um we just Anna Tobias, now she's doing a great job. Um, she's got a little restaurant just behind Tottenham Court Road. Well, it's not that little actually, but it's um perfectly paced Cafe Deco. And um she actually used to be the chef here for a while, and um she's just really one of the young, up-and-coming, brilliant young um, things that she does gentle, lovely, soothing food. She was at the River Cafe as well, so she brings all these things into it brings in sort of East European food, she does slow braises, she loves stuffing cabbages. She's definitely someone to look out for.
0: And beyond London, are there any cities that are really impressing you with their food offering?
1: Oh, well, I haven't been travelling much, have I? I've been to Paris. <laughs> we went to Paris. Um, that was great. I love Paris. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, the food in Paris has changed a lot um, recently and they've all gone quite sort of a bit modern British or modern French, obviously. <laughs> but um, yeah, so often there's a mixture of Asian and French foods and some of the chefs there. So some of the younger Asian guys who might have been brought up in Paris are bringing both dynamics to it, which is really exciting. Yeah, I mean, just every city, once you start looking at them, there's just, there is so much going on. I always get a bit overexcited, actually. <laughs> I just got overexcited being in Somerset last week. I mean, what is going on there? West Coombe Derry, uh making the best saucisson outside France that you can believe. Um, it, it's, it's all incredibly dynamic, and that's, what, three hours on the motorway from London. Yeah, I mean, the world is breaking out with chefs at the moment. It's
0: an exciting time to be a a chef. And my final question for you, Margot, what is it about cooking that you love?
1: Um, Well, I suppose it's a, I mean, I love feeding people. It's a creativity that if you're creative, it's lovely to make something. I love just, you know, when you look, when you've got wonderful ingredients, really good ingredients, because that is always a good starting point, um, and then you make something that is pleasing, that looks beautiful, that tastes great, and, you know, it's all worked out, and you just breathe a sigh of relief, you no know? I mean, I, I love cooking for family and at home. Sometimes to go on holiday, I just can't stop cooking, because... Sometimes in the restaurant, it's hard to get in there, there's so many chefs. But um, yeah, I, I think it's the mixture of feeding people, I'm a bit of a feeder probably, um, nourishing them, making them happy, and then and it's a creative act at the same
0: time. That's beautiful. There is something really tremendous about being wholly satisfied after an excellent meal. There is, <laughs> and a nice glass of wine. <laughs> Where can we follow you? Are you on social media? Can we follow you on social media?
1: Yes, I'm Margot E. Henderson. Um, Yes, on Instagram.
0: What a joy it has been to speak to you, Margot. I cannot wait to venture through your superb recommendations. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please do rate and review us. Catch you next time.